0: Hi, and welcome to a very short introduction from ancient Greece to branding, globalization to Homer and logic to fashion. We'll showcase a concise and dynamic insight into a range of diverse topics for wherever your curiosity may lead you. So here is today's very short introduction. Hello, my name's Katriana Kelly. I work at the University of Oxford, where my speciality is Russian literature and Russian culture, and I've written quite a number of books on Russian literature and culture going back to the 18th century and up to the present day. One of the books that I've written is The Very Short Introduction to Russian Literature, which is based on my reading of Russian literature over many years, my exposure to the culture and my first-hand knowledge of the place I've visited regularly since 1979, and since the early 2000s, have visited St. Petersburg particularly often because I have an apartment there. Now, I find Russian culture completely fascinating. It absorbs a lot of my life. I think that Russia at the moment gets rather a bad press on the news, and I'd like you to hear something positive about it, which is the fact that he has the most wonderful literature, which is rightly famous known since the 19th century when it became an entry to the world stage Uh, Leo Tolstoy was of course the first writer to acquire a worldwide reputation and I'm hoping that for all the many reasons that you could be interested in this topic I mean maybe you've visited Russia yourself or about to visit Russia and you want a sort of sense of the larger cultural context and explanation of what you've seen Maybe you happen to love literature and want to read a bit more of another European culture, um, a world culture. Maybe you're hoping to study Russian literature seriously and you want something which is a little bit different from the kind of ordinary introduction that you might get. For example, at school, excellent, though that one might be, or by reading a sort of textbook style approach. I decided to present this material in a rather provocative way, I mean, so that it wouldn't sound like something which is a long lecture or a talk in the schoolroom, but instead is in certain ways, I hope, challenging. And what I've done is instead of presenting an overview of Russian literature since it first emerged as something that would be recognizable to a Westerner as literature, which is the late 17th century, right to the present day, instead of that, I've focused on the figure of Russia's national poet. Alexander Pushkin, who was born in 1799 and died in a duel in 1837. But it's not a life and works of Pushkin either, this book. Instead, it's a book that begins with one of Pushkin's most famous poems. I've raised myself a monument not made by human hands, so a play on the idea of a monument of stone and an icon not made by human hands, which is something miraculously created. So Art, if you like, is sacred. And at the same time, something that has a significance that carries on is transcendent, lasts from one century into another. Now, I'm not using the poem in order to suggest that everything in Russian culture is about that one idea, that art is sacred. Instead, what I do is to take various themes, which are stated by Pushkin in that poem, and explore them in detail with relation to other texts in a series of chapters, which deal, for example, with the commemoration of Russian writers. I mean, if you visited Russia, you may have noticed that writers' museums are really quite widespread, much more widespread than they are in Britain, for example, and indeed the USA, and places that kind of encapsulate the importance of somebody's life, but do it in a very material way. So you can go to the Pushkin apartment on the Moika in St. Petersburg and see the clock that stopped when Pushkin died, These places, therefore, have kind of got the function of reliquaries, I mean, places that preserve the traces of the famous life. So that's one aspect that I look at. I also look at the way that Pushkin was promoted as a writer, but became published, the way that he was translated in the Soviet period and disseminated to other cultures in the Soviet Union, not Russian-speaking. So he became a national poet, not just for Russia, but also a national poet, if one can talk about a Soviet nationality, certainly a Soviet identity did exist, Pushkin becomes a poet who's intimately associated with that. Those are only two of the topics that I treat in the book. I mean, I also look at Pushkin's relationship with gender. Pushkin liked to draw himself sometimes in female attire. He has a sort of personality that slides between different types of presence in a gender. At the same time, he could not at all be described as a feminist, which is very typical of his generation. In fact, many of his generation had reacted against the 18th century, which in Russia is very much a century of women. So a whole list of Tsaritsas, the most recent of which was, of course, Catherine II, a figure towards whom Pushkin actually felt very ambivalent. He recognised her greatness, but for him, she is a far less significant historical figure than Peter I. So that kind of divided sense of gender, the sort of sense that women are an important audience for literature, that Some of them indeed are starting to produce writing and that there is such a thing as the feminine in an imaginative sense versus a certain scepticism, quite conventional, actually, towards women's roles in the present day. And that interesting paradox is another aspect that I explore. The book is illustrated with various images from um, Russian literature. I mean, I have a picture, for example, of the four famous poets of the late 19th century, Anna Akhmatova, Marin Svitaeva. Osip Mandelstam and Boris Pasternak, and point out how they come up as a quartet in much writing on Russian culture, although there's no evidence that all four were ever in the same room together, and the degrees of friendship and connection between them in fact varied. So this is something like an imaginative realisation of the idea of a quartet as sung at the end of a Mozart opera with the sort of different male and female voices entangling, rather than it is historical fact I'm very interested in the interplay between the way that literature is imagined and what happened in reality, and of course literature is a form of imagination itself. So if you want to hear more about Russian literature and about some of the major figures who've been involved in producing it, please do read my book. You'll find there's a lot more material than I've been able to cover in a short time here. At the very least, it may provoke you into wanting to go off and read other things. I mean, reactions on the internet to it have varied, and some people find the approach actually very enriching. Others feel that they would rather have had something which was kind of more down-to-earth and one step after the other. But anyway, give it a go, and above all, read Russian literature. There are many excellent translations. A recent example is Oliver Reddy's excellent translation of Crime and Punishment, which really gives Dostoevsky a kind of life and humour that's sometimes missing from earlier translations. So enjoy yourself, go on the path of exploring this fascinating culture and this wonderful literature, and if my book can be a guide, I will be very happy. Thank you for your attention.